And so anyways, let's look at Moses today. Let's look at this, um, this two, two, uh, Pentateuch. And so from chapter 27 is uh, the final sermon of Moses. It's the third sermon of Moses. So, uh, so it goes chapter 1 through 4 and then 5 to 26. And then 27 to the end is, is these three different sections. And so now in 27, uh, this is the sermon that's right before entering into the promised land as they stand right before, right at the entrance. And so that's where he makes this sermon. And then so in chapter 27, as he's in the wilderness of Moab, what does he say to them? He says that before you is blessing and curse. That when you enter into Canaan, uh, as you go to Shechem, the very first place you'll enter is Shechem. And the moment you enter, uh, have a celebration, celebration. And what that celebration is, is the celebration is, is standing on the Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim and proclaiming the, tr the blessings and the curses. So that's what is described. And then in uh, chapter 29, as they're in this land of Moab, uh, they, they receive the proclaimed covenant and once again renew it. Renew it and reestablish it. And again, this is the same flow earlier. It's, it's with curse and blessing, right? God is... That, uh, that when you disobey, you will be cursed. But when you re repent, I will restore you, right? That's his promise to you. And then so, the, so with this current up to chapter 30, what's important here is that it's the entirety of the Deuteronomy. Entirety of Pentateuch is that um, God is continually doubting Israel. God is continually doubting Israel. And what we need to understand is that this is something that God does not have. He's, his, his character is not uh, one of suspicion. And yet, when you look throughout the Pentateuch, you see that God doesn't trust the Israelites, right? He doesn't, he doesn't trust that they will be able to be obedient. And, and so there, there is this dissonance here. And so from chapter 30, 31, we're seeing why, why this dissonance is there. And yet, even still, even though he cannot trust them, he loves Israel. And so it seems as if Israel has no hope, right? Because God speaks with passion that, that Israel is going to betray them, right? And so it seems as if they have no hope. And so as we live on this earth, ultimately, that's what we need to understand is that is that it doesn't matter what we may achieve if we cannot receive the trust of God if we cannot receive the acknowledgement of God then it's all for nothing it's all it's all in vain and yet if and yet what's important is is that God still chooses to love Israel and because what does this mean because he loves Israel he will not um, tolerate Israel's wickedness to grow and so always what we see is that ultimately God keeps and guards their dignity right and so once you become a child of God then the dignity you have as a child of God God will take responsibility for it how it, it may even get to the point where he takes your life right in order to protect you 
And what, when we talk about death in that sense, we should not look at it as the perspective of the world saying that this is doom, but rather it is God protecting us, God watching out for us, God keeping us. And so what's important here is that Israel and a child of God, that, this, that their identity of dignity that God has given to them, what is important for us is that we need to receive that in faith and not lose it as we live this life on earth. And that is what's leading us to that glorious kingdom, right? When we look at Zephaniah, what is, what is the reward that is promised to us? is that we will receive praise and honor. What is this praise and honor? It's praise and honor of our identity, this dignified identity that God has given us. And so on that day when that perfect kingdom comes, the one who is most great, most high, that he acknowledges us, he praises us, this glory is more glorious than anything you can imagine. It is beyond compare. And so we'll receive that great prize of being honored and praised by the king. And so ultimately, in this kingdom that is coming, this forever kingdom, this everlasting kingdom that is to come, the most important thing for us is to hold on to that identity we have. And so do not ever allow that, that unique dignity and that nobility to fall to the wayside like Esau or who would sell his birthright for a bowl of soup. Israel, their nobility, their honor, their glory, it comes from their identity. And so, and so if you live self-centeredly, then what this means is that you are losing the identity of the, of, of, the, of the glory, of the identity you have as a child of God. And you are selling that birthright that you have for this worthless world. This, when you understand what God has given us and what a birthright God has granted to us, then you would not easily uh, lose sight of that. You would grit your teeth and struggle to maintain that nobility. And so that's why it's most important to come to faith in your identity. And so it seems as if Israel has no hope. And yet the fact that God is living, loving them is their hope and that God is continually working to restore them, constantly working to, to keep them. <clears throat> and so look, look, God doesn't want to bring these curses so that you will recognize your nobility. No, he wants you to just recognize it and realize that God is always there and going in that glory and maintain and that would be is how God prefers to maintain his maintain your dignity and your nobility. But because of our wickedness, you know, there are many times that God has to uh, take these extreme measures and yet he, that's not his hope. And so as you pray, as I pray for you, I'm, I want to bless you. I want to continually say, God, God, uh, bless them. And, but, but yet many times I have to pray that, Lord, help him to come to his senses. Help him to come to his senses. And so I bless you that you would be able to come to your senses on your own. Amen. And so finally today, uh, from verse 14 to 30, now Moses finally brings his, this song, right? This song of Moses. And this song isn't a song of celebration. It's a song of cursing. And as I said earlier throughout Deuteronomy, why, why is why does God bless and curse, and why where is the importance in this? 
And so when it comes to theology, when it comes to doctrine of who God is, what we need to understand is that there's only one God. There's many things that claim to be God, right? But but if you are if you are God, then what is the right that that God has? The right that that God has is to bless and to curse. And so Yahweh God, this God who has created mankind, who created this universe, he alone has the right and the authority to bless and to curse. And not only does he have the right to curse and bless us, but he also can turn our curse to blessing and turn the blessing to a curse. And so when you look at it from the perspective of humans, right, curse may seem like a bad thing, right, relatively. And yet, from perspective of God, if that curse is used, if that curse can be a, um, a turning point, then it is a blessing in itself, right? And so whether it's blessing or curse, from the perspective of God, it's all His grace. It's all His grace being given to you. And so... You know, that's why when we talk about persecution and hardships and suffering, right, it's not a bad thing when it comes to Israel, right? Because that is what sanctifies us, is what purifies us. But the problem is, is that we lose our identity of Israel. And so we think that this suffering is our, is our shame. We think that this suffering is our curse. We think that this suffering is our des despair. But no, what we need to understand is that all of our hardships, all of our persecutions, all of our suffering, that 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 um, in all of these things, whether we are blessed, whether we are cursed, whether we are rich, whether we are poor, that we would be, we would find contentment in God. And how do you find that contentment? It's when in faith you hold on to your identity, you hold on to who you are, who God has given you. And so remember, God, our God is the only God that has the right to bless and curse. Why? Because He is the Creator God. And so look, He's not just throwing out curses and blesses willy-nilly. No, but as the Creator God, He has this plan. He has this right. And so. As as he bless if he if you would grow holy through his blessings he will bless you if he needs to curse you to bring you back onto the road he, in order to protect your holiness he will do so right just as when you raise your children right you have to you have to um, bring the rod sometimes right and spank them and so in that same way when it comes to Israel, when it comes to children of God, uh, blessing and curse, you cannot, you cannot say that it is objectively bad, objectively good, right? It is all in the perspective of you being sanctified, amen? And so in the same way, Moses proclaims all of these curses, and yet here what what God wants is for them to hurry up and repent and return. He, his, his purpose is not to destroy them, right? This is the heart of the father, right? Even you as a humanly father, right? If you have a right relationship to your children, you want to bless them, right? You don't, you're not looking to destroy them. And so in the same way, that's the heart of God that is being described here. And so, and so before we see the song of Moses, let's look at verse 14 as Moses is leading up to that song. He's talking about how he's going to proclaim this song and, and preparing to commission Joshua uh, as the next leader. And so let's look at it. So from verse 14 to 24. And so let's see, let's see what, what Moses is going to say. So verse 14. So as I always say, I never want to preach for a long time. That's never my purpose. 
Okay, so verse 14. So, and Moses said, and Lord said to Moses, Behold, the days approach when you must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves in the tent of meeting that I may commission him. And so, and so you shouldn't think like, wow, look at the greatness of Moses that, that God even um, informs him beforehand who he's going to, when he's going to die. No, no, no. Look, if you have the glory of God and you're living out that glory, then spiritually, God is continually speaking to you, continually having fellowship with you, continually having this relationship with you. And so look, look at even Paul, right? What does he say? That that I have kept the faith and I have run the race and the day is coming soon where 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 where, where I will be crowned, right? And it's the same thing with Peter. And so what does this mean? It means that people of God needs to live their lives with the heavens opened up to them. Like Abraham, right, seeing the glory of his homeland, that the moment he met with God, he sees that glory. And so if the heavens are open to you, then at the very least, you would know when you're going to die. This is not talking about some kind of super spiritual thing. It's not, it's not a super spiritual level. It's just when you have proper relationship with God, even your death, right? I, I talked about this in Second Corinthians 5. Um, I'm not sure how you received it at that time, but, but look, so... Look at how personal God is to us, that He is making us and shaping us in His image. And so if you have that right relationship, then, then God has this personal relationship with you, right? And so God isn't going to just command you like some slave, like do this, do that. No, no, He is so personal, so intimate that even their death is something that, that, that is only for their benefit, right? So he takes them only for their benefit. I'm sorry, I'm sorry for going into the super spiritual things. But look, but look, that's how much our relationship with God. And this isn't given to special privileged people. No. To all men of God, as God pours out his love and he gives them this new being, everything that God has, he's pouring it out. He, everything that he can pour out he's pouring it upon you he's giving it to you he even gave you the right to be called sons of god right and so look look he gave you the right to be called sons of god and yet you beg for money how foolish is that what god has given us is so much greater than that and so in my life i think i could count on in on the fingers of my hand how many times i pray to god give me this Look, I don't, I don't pray to God, give me this, give me that. No, I don't pray that way. No, because you don't need to ask God. Why? Because my relationship with God is at a personal level so much that, that I do not need to ask for my needs. That's why the Bible says, it says, do not worry about what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. God's relationship with you isn't that, oh, give me something to eat, and so he gives you something to eat. No, he's so personal that he knows. And so for the past 32 years, my prayer relationship, I don't think I've prayed very often asking God to give me something. I think, actually, this one time right now with this, with this money that we're seeking right now, it's, it's because God is it's time for God to show to show you that that he is in control and that he is reigning over all of this and so and so why this is all connected to to uh, September you know I explained last night and so look our relationship with God 
God loves us, right? He is a loving God. And how much He loves us that even, even His, even when we die, right? Because ultimately, He's not just going to command you, oh, you die now and you die then. No. And so people who open their lives to heaven will know. And so Moses knew, right? He knew that, that oh, it's now time. And so, and yet at that time, do you think he's like, oh God, I don't want to go. No, I can't go. I, No, because he knows that God is providing the best. And so Moses, when God says that it's now time, he says, let's go. And so as you live with faith in God, this is what happened. But it's because you keep living by your thoughts. It's because you keep living by the worldly thoughts. That's why you keep worrying about when you're going to die and worried about legacy, worrying about, about, about what happens if you all of a sudden die. No, remember, death is, is, is something that God is preparing you for so that at the highest glory, because He loves me, right? And that's my relationship that I have with Him. And so this is obvious that I should know. So as I always say, everything that's written in this Bible isn't written to show extraordinary things. No, it is ordinary. It is a record of people who are receiving grace in an ordinary way. And so... As I preach, I, I say to you, and I, I know that this may confuse you a little bit because you've been continually hearing in your religious churches that, oh, look at the greatness of Paul, look at the greatness of David. But I say, and I keep saying that, no, this is normal, this is regular. Then you would question yourself, what's going on? Does that mean that I'm not normal? Yeah, you are not normal, you are abnormal. God says, ask whatever it is in my name and you will receive it. And yet you pray 10 times. How many of those 10 prayers did you receive answers to? Really, even if I were to ask my fleshly father 10 times, 9 times he would give me. But how about you? If your son asked you 10 times, wouldn't you give him most of the time? Right? Even your fleshly father has this relationship with you. And yet, is it normal for you to have a relationship with your heavenly father that you ask 10 times and you can't even receive one? Is that normal? Is that normal? No. That is abnormal. Look at what the Bible says. All of this is ordinary. If you have the right relationship with God, then this is ordinary. It's not particular. It's not special. And so look, even when he gave us this promise, he is not forcing it down you. No, rather, He paid the price and, and He opened the way for you and He gave you this invitation. And so the devil cannot interrupt you at all because of this, because you have been invited. And so when the devil says, who are you to ask of these things? Who are you to pray for these things? You say, no, uh, Jesus has paved the way and Jesus has opened this way for me. And so when he gives you this grace for free, it's not because it's cheap that he gives it to you. No, it's because it's priceless that it's a free gift of God. And so look, God is the greatest, most, most amazing being in the universe. And, and he is with you. And yet you're going to live relying on other things. Think about it logically. Just think about this logically. I always say this. Let's say that you are meeting with the president of the country every day and he is friends with you then are you going to bring your request to the mayor of the city no and so look 
even the word of God itself, you are not learning it from people, right? You are learning it from God himself, as it says in 1 John. And so that's why, you know, what is my personal philosophy for pastoral ministry is that I do not directly interfere in my church members, right? Because the anointing teaches you. I pray for that anointing to just flow and be open. And so look, it's not me who touches your life. It's the Holy Spirit needs to touch your life. And so look, all of you guys can go out to the world and, and minister, right? You all can go out because the anointing is there, right? You you can go to South America and and, and, and minister to them. You can go to Africa and minister to them. And, and, and great works happen, right? Even at home, I'm looking at her and like, oh, when is she going to mature? When is she going to mature? And yet when she goes out into South America, you know, she, she ministers very well. And so the reason why you can live with this spiritual wilderness is because you are not being touched by man, but by God. And so look. And so this love and this dignity that you're receiving from God, when, like Moses, you should be able to receive this word from God that says that, oh, it's now time for you to come home. Do not treat this as some kind of special privilege, but rather as something that's so normal, so obvious. And so look, let's say that you are not willing and the Holy Spirit is just going to make you do something. No, that, that, that means you have not yet met with God in a personal relationship. And so that's why the Holy Spirit can't help but lead you in that way. Whether, you know, like for example, you, are not, you do not want it and the Holy Spirit makes something happen in your life. It's because you are not at yet at that relationship with God. Because what God wants from you is, is to share and to, and to have fellowship with you. And that's why he gave us free will. Because free will means that the fact that we have free will means that we are created in the image of God. That in itself is more than proof that we are created in the image of God. And so if you... If you uh, purify that free will, you can live like God. But if that free will is corrupted, then you are corrupted beyond measure. And so that's why our intellect, emotion, and will is so important. If, if your free will resists God, then, then you cannot do anything. But if your free will is flowing with God and being used by God, then you, you can do amazing things, right? You can disappear and transport into different places. You can bring dead people to life, right? And so look, because your intellect, emotion, and will is bound, that's why your, your knowledge is bound, your wisdom is bound, your emotions are bound. And you're constantly resisting God. And so how can you live by the Holy Spirit? How can you have a personal relationship with God? And so, so when you hear these kinds of things, many of you might be thinking like, man, what is this super spiritual guru crap, right? And, and But no, look, this, who is the one who God treated personally the most? It's Jesus, isn't it not? Right. When Jesus died, what did it, how does it describe it in the Bible? It says that he gave himself up. He did not die. He did not suffer death in, in, as, as, as it happening to him. No, he gave it up. And because he gave it up, he can also come to life as himself. And so, remember, Jesus is showing us the highest model of how we are to live. Amen?
Okay, Pastor Yi Lee doesn't look like he aged a bit. He looks the same still. Okay, I think um, going to study is probably the easiest thing, right? It's most easiest. That's why you haven't aged a day. Right? People who study well, I'm sure studying is comfortable for them. Someone like me, I like to preach. Anyways, and so, verse 15. Moses. Uh, and the Lord appeared in the tent of a, in a pillar of cloud, and the pillar of cloud stood over the entrance of the tent. Look at how amazing our God is, how, how awesome he is in, in his appearance, right? It's the same thing. When you stand before God, the presence of God just stretching out before you, right? The presence of God just coming from behind you and moving forward you, right? And that, if you could see that and feel that, how, how confident would you be in all these things? And this is what it, this is, this is what it means to live with God. And this is uh, the experience that you should all have, right? That this pillar of cloud just covering over you at the entrance, right? And so, moving on to verse 16. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers. Again, he, say, he doesn't say you're going to die, but lie down. Sabbath, rest, right? And so, what is this saying? Death is not the end. And so, brothers, if you continue to live by spirit, continue to live by faith, then you understand that death is just a step. It's just a step that, that this death is not something to fear, but rather there is this joy of glory. Because... And so, man, right, ultimately, why do you live on this earth? You live to die. And so who dies the most glorious way is the one who dies well, who lived well, right? And so it's about, it's about dying well, right? That, that's, what, that's why we live on this earth, to see glory in the greatest, to see the highest glory. And so, and so that's where, why it's so important to have this relationship with God. And then so you'll lie down with your fathers, then the people will rise and whore after the foreign gods among them in the land that they are entering. And so look, even in the moment of Moses' death, God, um, God expresses his doubt in the faithfulness of Israel, saying that they will whore after the foreign gods among them in the land that they are entering. And so again, as I continue to say throughout Deuteronomy, that they're going to follow after foreign gods. And so if you f don't follow after God, then as I always say, you're automatically falling after the world. In the spiritual realm, there is no neutrality. It's one or the other. If you're following God, you are not following the world. If you are following the world, you are not following after God. And so they're going to forsake him and, 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 and whore after foreign gods, and they'll forsake me and break my covenant, right? And so this covenant, again, is relationship with God. And so the moment you follow after the world, the moment that covenant is broken. And so we talk about this. This is something that we've expressed in, in the New Testament through old self and new self, right? That, that the old self, if you are living in the old self, the new self is dead. And if you're living the new self, the old self is dead, right? The, if you are in the new self, then automatically, in, instantaneously, you are towards God. And if you are in the old self, instantly you are in towards the world. 
And so, once again, this is the delicateness of that relationship. It is the sensitivity of that relationship. If you are living in the new self, then you are living personally with God and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so, if you look at it from the perspective of the New Testament, again, we can see that the New Testament and Old Testament are saying the same thing. They may use different terminology, but it's used saying the same thing. It's talking about this breaking of the covenant, right? And, and then the old self, right? And so, what is breaking of the covenant? It's talking about the relationship with God, right? It's talking about your relationship with God. And so, though they still remain as children of God, but remember that, that they have this... Um, um, covenantal love and justice, right? Hesed and Zedek that comes from that covenant, and so if that covenant is broken, that 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 treasure is broken. So continue as they live with God, as they grow, as you grow in that faith, as you grow in in the glory of God, then then it's no longer from the dimension of oh I need to keep myself from sin, I need to keep myself from sin. No, rather. Rather, because of the danger of falling after the world and because of the pain and the wickedness that comes from that and, and, and the pain that comes from losing the presence of God. And so you do not dare to fall after the world. And so maybe you may make a mistake, but, uh, but then what do you do then? Then all you have to do is repent, right? Repent. But you're not just going to give up and, and, and fall down and just stay down in the dirt. No, you're going to pick yourself up because you know that taste, because you know that flavor, and so and so you're going to have, you're going to cry out to God, you know, because you're so aggrieved. And so look, brothers, look at how much. Examine yourselves. Are you taking sin lightly, or are you truly considerate of 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 what God thinks? Right. That is going to determine your spirituality the greater your spirituality the more you will treat this and so even look at worship if you can't worship if you cannot lift up proper worship even once then you would you would be tortured by that but 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 uh, people who are not so uh, great in their faithfulness they're not going to care right and so the greater your spirituality, the more that the impact, the more weight that relationship, the more weight the things that God has upon you truly um, rests upon your shoulders. And so, and so look, I've been continuing talking about this throughout Deuteronomy, but in verse 16, so how are we to receive this? Israel, he's doubting Israel. And... And treating it as if it's so obvious that Israel is going to fall, right? And look, from the perspective of God, that's not God's characteristic, right? Because look at Jesus with his disciples. He loves them to the very end, right? He trusted them to the very end, right? Not because he trusted them, but because he loved them, right? This is, this is, uh, this is a little bit difficult, right? Can trust and love be separate? And so look, I'm looking at Deacon Kim Young-uk, and I'm looking at him. Oh man, he's going to fall. He's going to fall, and yet I need to love him. Is that possible? Think about it, brothers. Is that possible? Right? Oh man. Like, for example, let's say like this. Let's say that your wife, right? You look at her, and you know she's going to cheat. Is it possible to still choose to love her? That Look. Is that possible? 
Okay, but see, the thing is, is, is that I'm not looking at Pastor Deacon Kim Jong-uk. I'm looking at the faith and the love that God has for him, right? And so, look, we are not trusting men, okay? And so, though we do not trust that person, but we trust in the faith of God towards his soul, right? And so, that's why we can say uh, that love and trust is not separate, but we are not trusting man himself, but the will of God and the faith of God, that God will transform him, that God will uh, bless them, that God will uh, bring his people home. And so, this isn't actually normal God's character, right? God's character isn't to doubt, is not to mistrust. But throughout Deuteronomy, he's continually saying, that, that Israel is going to fail. And so how can we explain this? I've already explained this, right? How do we explain this? Is this a prophecy then? Is he prophesying that you are going to fall? Is this a prophecy? Of course it is a prophecy in one hand. But the important thing is that this, that the focus of that prophecy is where? Is it in past, present, or future? And so the focus of this prophecy if it's going towards the future then is God using his divinity to to describe what's going to happen no rather but the wickedness of Israel that's with them right now they're fleshly living right now that unless they do not change that they cannot help but live this way and so this pro prophecy is focused on the present not the future and so look when God, He loves us and He trusts us, but it's not trust in our flesh. No, it's trust in the grace and the promise that God has given us. And so, if but if we choose the flesh, if we choose wickedness, if we choose sin, in other words, are we choosing the old self, you know, denying everything that Jesus Christ has done? Oh, sorry. Uh, one moment. Okay, so he's not trusting in your wickedness. He's not looking at your wickedness. He's not looking at your flesh. No, he cannot trust those things, right? Because those things will be judged and God's wrath will come upon those things, right? But God, when he says he loves you for who you are, He's talking about you receiving his trust, receiving his covenant. But it's not when you reject those things. And so if you reject God's promise, you reject um, his grace, and you live by wickedness, you live by evil, then God's love has no meaning, right? It has no meaning to you. To that being, God's love has no meaning to them because no matter how much God may pour out their love, they are making themselves God. And so that promise does not apply to them. And so the reason why he's talking about this judgment and saying that they will is because he's looking at their wickedness and if they do not change, then this they cannot help it this way. But God's trust in them and his love in them is in their reception of God's promise. And so look, the important thing is, is that we need to be moving from death to life, quickly repent and be in that relationship of, of blessing with God. <clears throat> but if you're constantly, God, God, 
God is saying all this to you and you don't pray because you do not believe, that's not easy, right? It's not, God cannot break through that. <clears throat> Your relationship with God is a relationship of promise. It's a relationship of that, of that identity of holiness. If you are in wickedness, if you remain in your wickedness, you cannot have that relationship with God. So verse 17. So look, even in people relationships, even in human relationships, if you're constantly doubting and, and mistrusting them, then it's impossible to continually walk with that person, right? And so, and so if, if we're continually in that relationship of mistrust with God, how can we continually walk with Him? We can't, right? And so, so brothers, Look at it from the perspective of salvation. God chose not to know your destruction or your salvation. That's how much He trusts you, right? Because His love for us and His covenant that we receive is in the, or is from the perspective of in that reception of His covenant. But if you're just in sin, He's not going to pour out that love and that, that trust, right? There's no need to prophesy. If you live in wickedness, then you will die, right? But that if they do, uh, yeah. So, so this is the order of things that if you live in wickedness, you will die, right? And so, verse 17. Then my anger will be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them and hide my face from them, and they will be devoured. And so again, this is talking about the principle that's described in verse 16, that uh, I will kindle my anger against them, right? Because they're living self-centeredly, and they're living fleshly in their unbelief and turning away from the commandment of God as it gets stored up and stored up inside of them, they come to the point where they're under God's wrath. And then so here he talks about how he will uh, hide their, his face from them. It's written in the perfect tense. So what does it mean to be under God's wrath? It means that your relationship with God has been um, twisted. If you live in the old self, it means that you are under God's wrath, right? God's wrath has kindled against you. So from that perspective, it's important that we can see how important it is not to live in the old self. So let's say I've been in the new self, but for one second I went into old self. In that one second, you become under God's wrath. Because what is the old self? The old self is under God's wrath. And so in Hebrew, I don't think there is an imperfect tense, right? Hebrew is not written in, there is no imperfect tense, right? Is there imperfect tense? It's all written in imperfect, right? And so, and so even this wrath, so the nuance here is that they're continually in their wickedness. That's what it may look like, but, but, but that's not what is being described grammatically. And that's also what's not being described in the spiritual sense. Is that... Oh, one moment, please. 
So, but anyways, what's important here is to understand that, that we should not live in the old self. That uh, when you are in there, ultimately what happens is that when you are under God's wrath, it means that you are forsaking His covenant. You, the covenant has been broken. What does that mean? That means that God's face is hidden from you. And so these things happen automatically, altogether, instantaneously. If you are in the old self, then your relationship with God is broken. When you're in that, when your relationship with God is broken, then His face is hidden from you. And so, if you keep, if you remain in that state then that wrath continually grows and grows into your character. And that's actually one of the reasons why many of you cannot pray. That, e that you're unable to ride this flow that God is pouring out through this church and, and continually uh, being wrapped up in, in religion is because of this spiritual state. And so if you don't grow, it's because you do not restore this spiritual state and continue to move forward. And so the more and more people like this uh, come, uh, uh, so the more and more of the people of the church become like this, the more of that church dies. And so remember, the church is a life. And so, so it's really important, really important that we all acknowledge this and receive uh, and, and repent because we are all one body. Okay, and so if you're in the old self, then you're under God's wrath, God's rela uh, relationship is broken, and His face is hidden. And so we are a being who cannot live without grace. Then if we are apart from God, then can my spirit breathe? It cannot. And so receive this principle, receive this order of things. If you receive this in faith, then inside of you, this relationship between old self and new self, you will not allow the old self to be comfortable. So now, our church, this kingly authority is being activated. And so now, the spiritual warfare is about not allowing the demons over to have free reign over Korea, whether it's in politics, in, in culture, in, in economics, right? Constantly praying and fighting it because, because this authority has been given. And so, brothers, you need either two things. Either you have power or you are... Uh, very comfortable at appeasing the devils, right? Because, because it's because I'm constantly um, harassing them, constantly harassing the devil, continually f striking at the devil. And so, if you belong to Yorbang Church, then you need to grit your teeth and fight, fight and struggle, right? Because, because God has given us this authority and God has given us this amazing things. That's the reason why such great works have been manifested to us. And if you cannot, then you know, just leave, right? I, I'm, I'm giving you a warning, right? Because, because that, that's what it is. So you need to always be in the church, be in that grace, and separate yourselves from the world. 
And if you do so, then conversely, you will have that joy of victory. You will have that triumphant jubilee. <clears throat> and so, <clears throat> and many evils and troubles will come upon them, so that they will say in that day, Have not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? And so, and so because of this wrath, and that God's face is hidden from them, and his, their grace has been cut off, then what is the blessing of Israel is that in that state, suffering comes. Now, if they were comfortable then, then that's the problem. But the greatness of Israel is that in their relationship, if they are cut off from that relationship, then what is God going to do? Is He going to tolerate it? No, He will intervene. And so, let's say that you are living in sin and separate from God, but there's no suffering. You're comfortable. That's more dangerous than the person who is suffering because that means that you are illegitimate children. Right? And so, brothers, be grateful. Be grateful. And I want to thank you that as I, why I'm grateful to you because you're listening to this sermon and not running out the door. That in other churches, if I were to preach this, they would probably leave the church. But you all, you all are hearing this and receiving it. You are listening, right? You are not just spacing out, are you? You are, you are hearing what I'm saying and, that's, and still staying here. And so that's my gratefulness to you is that, is that you're listening to this sermon and yet still remain. And so really, this is the remnant. Amen? And so in this state... Uh, you should not think about Gerasim, but look to Ebal. In this state, if you're looking for Gerasim, that's no different than idolatry. In that state, you long for Gerasim. You are not thinking about your dignity, your nobility as Israel. And so if you keep living with that proper relationship with God then look it's not as if you need like super um, big curse suffering to come it might just be a common cold but you're constantly thinking why am I having this curse like did, did I do something that goes against God and th these kinds of thoughts should just automatically come to your head this is the sensitivity of those who have this right relationship with God and so how much does the suffering come upon them that have not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us and that's the blessing of Israel that they come to know but the problem is we'll see in verse 19 or 18 and and I will surely again right and so if they know that's not the important thing is not to just know the important thing is to repent and so their level of wickedness, uh, is, the suffering that they received is not enough for them to turn back. It's not easy to just turn back to God if you, once you have been immersed in Babylon. And so Yerbang Church, if you look at Yerbang Church, right? Um, God has met us 
And there's no one who's continually living in complete wickedness, right, in our church, right? Because most of you have met with God in a, in a very personal level and, and very deeply. But, but the problem is, is that there are things that help us maintain that fleshly life. For example, our cell phones, right? Cell phone is, is something that's really, really... Um, uh, keeps you tied to the world and so it's so hard for you to pray because you're so filled with your own thoughts and so it might not be your entire being lost in wickedness but a part of you a part of you does not have a right relationship with God and so one thing that we need to be careful of is, is that if you keep leaving it alone then eventually this rot will fester and spread to the rest of your body and so we need to continually be aware of these things and be open to God because what is God's will for you as it says in Ephesians 1 4 is for you to be holy and blameless and so if you are with blame, then what does that mean? Are we talking about salvation? No, we're talking about glory right now. We are not talking about salvation. We're talking about glory because we are living sacrifices for God. Then we cannot have blame. If we have fault or blemish, then God cannot receive our sacrifice. And so this is not easy thing to say to, to religious churches, right? Because they would say, how can we be without blemish? How can we not be without fault? But, but. But it's because you are the remnant that we can talk this because this is understood. Amen. And so look, um, God is describing their state that they that their wickedness, their flesh, that the level of their flesh is, is so great that even this suffering does not lead them to repentance. And so what we need to see here is is that don't treat uh, fleshly things lightly. Okay, it. It's so easy to take you far away. The wickedness of man grows in exponential ways. Just um, uh, immoral thought may lead to murder just like that. That's what you need to see. Okay, don't think of it just... Don't think of it as just um, uh, lightly. And I'm sorry to... to be the bearer of bad news but but I, I want you to be wary but remember that you have nothing to do with sin but what you need to acknowledge and understand is that the capability the possibility is always open to us if we leave ourselves open to sin and that's what you need to acknowledge like King David King David you need to be faithful regarding regarding your your um, your ability to fall into sin and so uh, and I will surely hide my face in it because of all the evil that because it turned uh, and so if he gave them this evils and troubles then they should turn right but instead of turning back to God they look to other gods right they go to Asherah and then Asherah doesn't solve them and so they go to Baal and then they go to Moloch right and so they keep looking for gods that will be a representation of their of their desires and so look when you live by Babylon right you're, you're moving from spirit to spirit to spirit right you're going through 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 hundreds of hundreds of various spirits And 
And this happens to all people, whether you're Israel, children of God, or not. Everyone is going through this. If you And so this is really important why we do not live by Babylon, because Babylon is always moving various spirits, right? I went to, I was watching a movie, and in the trailers, there was, in the advertisement, right, there were so many spirits moving, right? For example, I'm watching news, right, and, and on YouTube, and even though watching news, there's all these kinds of advertisements, whether I want it or not, advertisements about diet, advertisement about insurance, all these kinds of advertisements, right? They keep coming out. And when you watch just one of those advertisements, already there's there's uh, deception, immorality, um, worldliness, greed. All of these things enter into you. And so, so let's say that you are watch you're watching YouTube for five hours. Think about how many advertisements come to you in that five hours. And so, if you keep living in this way and apart from God, you're going to keep looking towards other gods. And so, you got to look at and, and be honest with yourself and see, see these things. Why do people get wicked? It doesn't happen automatically. No, it's because they do not look to God and keep falling after the world and keep receiving the, uh, the influence of the world. Just as in our church, we activate the Holy Spirit, right? The world activates immorality, activates envy, activates jealousy, activates rage and anger. And all of these things gets activated in those spirits. And as it takes control over them, that's why all this wickedness happens. And so you, if you receive this, you would understand this. And so look, think about, think about it this, right? That when the millennial kingdom comes during those thousands of years, uh, um, uh, how even though there's no devil, there's no demons, people are still going to sin, right? Isn't that amazing? And so, as you keep up, um, engaging with Babylon, you're continually engaging with all these different spirits. Right? There were sisters who were sitting here yesterday, and there was, and you know, like as you get closer to God, all these things of Babylon fades, right? They don't like to shop. They don't like to do um, watch movies, and the only thing, one thing that remains is this desire for food, right? But and so they're almost in glorification. I was so grateful in this 24 years. Finally, finally, there's people who are about getting close to glorification. But brothers, but brothers, it's easy for you to watch movies, right? It's comfortable. It's not difficult, right? But look, look in our lives every day. As you continue to activate the Holy Spirit, let the Holy Spirit activate. But instead of that being activated, it's the God of this world, the Prince of this world that's constantly being activated. And this season right now that we're living in right now is that in my character, what strength is moving? You is what you need to be aware of. Is it, is it the strength of this world or is it the strength of God? Okay, I met with this guy who was, who was at the top of, uh, you know, the top one percent of of this nation, and and immediately I meet with him, and already I could feel, I could feel that Babylon, right, just coming, right, 
it wasn't easy, right? You know, with because I'm spending all my time with you who don't care about outer appearances, and yet seeing this meeting with this man who does care about outer appearances, right? It was not easy. And so look, it's because you're constantly living in this po uh, polytheistic uh, mindset, right? Where where your body just keeps falling after all these different gods. That's why it's so hard. It's so hard to see these things. But as if you keep focus on one God, keep focusing on the one God, then you'll see all of these things. And so it's one or the other. Either the Holy Spirit reigns over you, or the polytheistic gods of the of the, of the world is reigning over you. It's one or the other, right? These polytheistic spirits of, of, of the world moving through people, through things, through through media, through 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 circumstances to continue to keep you tied down. And they're constantly working inside of you. The evidences of that is that in your character, right, um, you have rage, you have anger, you have guilt, you have despair, you have shame. These are all uh, proof that inside of your spirit, there is an activation of the world. You cannot say that, you cannot say that, oh, this doesn't apply to me, Pastor. If so, then you, then you need to be filled with hope and joy of God. If not, if you're constantly uh, falling into despair, constantly falling into spacelessness, constantly just spacing out, then, then this is all proof that there's something else being activated inside of you. And that's what you need to be aware of. You need to be able to see that at the very least. That's the season that is upon us. That, ah, this kind of strength, this kind of power is moving me. And so, and so what's the result of this? As they turn to other gods, as that evil gets activated, and so what happens? God's face is hidden from them. And so... Uh, the first one in verse 17 is written in the perfect tense and here in verse 18 is written in the imperfect tense meaning that they're continually uh, being hidden continually being hidden and so without repentance this grace cannot be solved it's only through repentance that can God's face shine upon us once again if you keep, if not, then you're going to continue to live by your thoughts, continue to live by your methods, continue receiving the influence of Babylon. If that flow is not cut, then you cannot uh, return. And so look at your life throughout this week. I mean, really, really just, just examine yourselves in a very uh, objective way, right? How many other gods um, have are being activated inside of you uh despair uh worldliness um debauchery right all of these things what is being activated that you just barely drag yourself to this worship so that you can come just to just to show your face right or not throughout the week living in spirit waiting for this worship and when you come to this worship being wait uh being filled with joy and inspiration right it, it is does that describe you amen And so verse 19, Now therefore, write this song and teach it to the people of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the people of Israel. And so what is this witness? That, that God will surely judge wickedness. But this fact is the blessing of Israel. So brothers, when we trust God and everything is good, that's not, that's not right. That's that's wrong 
Now, I'm not saying this like in an absolute sense, but when God in the process, when ultimately that's what's going to happen, but in the process of, of coming to meet with God, right, there needs to be... Um, um, there needs to be a sanctification, right? Where 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 the the refuse is, it, where the wheat is separated from the chaff. And so, verse twenty. Uh, for when I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to give to their fathers, and they have eaten and are full and grown fat, they will turn to other gods and serve them. And so, look. What does this sentence describe? That when people are rich, when they are when their bellies are filled spiritually right that they will treat God lightly and betray him that's how what well, that's the context of this sentence right and yet when we look at the entirety of the text that's not how we should interpret this and also if you look at the entirety of Deuteronomy that's not the tense it's not the blessing the abundance that is the problem no because remember when you have the right relationship with God, God will bless you. God grants you riches and abundance, right? If you have a right relationship with God, it's not poverty, but riches. When there is poverty, there's a special reason for it. Ah, uh, if you have the gift of asceticism, then then uh, then poverty may be given to you. But but like that's only for special people. It's a special calling. But if you have a proper relationship with God, then automatically you should receive blessing, right? That that is the principle of things, the, the normal way of things, right? What does it say even in the New Testament? It says, blessed is he, right? Makarios. What does makarios mean? It's not just blessed, but happiness, and that God will take responsibility. And what does he say to Israel? Israel, what nation is there like you, so happy, so great? And so if you cannot proclaim happiness as a child of God, then that there's a big problem. If you have met with God, properly then ultimately his riches his abundance should be given to you that is normal but the problem is is that these riches that it is taking these riches without god and i'm not just talking about material things but but if you have material wealth without god then there will be spiritual um decay there will be spiritual uh, obesity. And if this doesn't just apply to material things, but every boundary of life. If you don't have a right relationship with God, 
then there is this strength that's going to resist God and you should not all tolerate it. That, oh, that I don't like this person or that, that, right? That cannot be the case if you have right relationship with God, right? Because this almighty God, as he's reigning over you, And he wants you to live eternally and in the eternal life. Is there anything that remains that's going to cause uh, conflict? That's not what he wants, right? And so, as I always say, if you're constantly praying to God that I need money, I need money, I need money, that means that there's a clear problem in your spirituality. There's something wrong. Because that means that you are not trusting that God can take responsibility for your life. Then the fact that you're constantly looking for money, constantly looking for money, constantly worrying about money, that shows that that, that you are worrying about what you will eat, what you drink, what you wear, and that God's riches is not, uh, you do not believe in God's riches. Not only that, going beyond that, you do not believe in God's almighty nature. And so, it's not the riches that is the problem. The problem is the riches without God. So if you have right relationship with God and you are enriched and you continue living in God, then those riches become a reason for you to glorify, uh, to glorify God. Or not a reason, but a method to glorify God. And So listen carefully. The, the problem here is not wealth itself. Riches itself is not the problem. It's without God. Money without God. Wisdom without God. Anything without God. That is the source of corruption for mankind. And so they come to a point of being broken in the covenant. And so verse 21. And when many evils and troubles come upon them, this song shall confront them as a witness, for it will live unforgotten in the mouths of their offspring. For I know what they are inclined to do even today before I brought them into the land that I swore to give. And so, and so this song is going to be a witness. And so God isn't using predetermination to describe what is inevitable. But rather, if you continually live in this way today, then that's what's going to happen. And so it's about the present. It's about now. Because they continually maintain this fleshly thoughts that when they go into Canaan, that they cannot help but fulfill this prophecy. So the focus of this prophecy is not on future, but it's bringing the future into the present. It's also not focused on the past. It's bringing the past into the present. And so, so when God speaks of Israel's um, quote-unquote inevitable um, betrayal, it's not because it's inevitable in the future that it's going to happen. No, but rather if they maintain their fleshly wickedness that they're continuing, that they have in the now, then it's going to lead there. And so verse 22, So Moses wrote this song the same day and taught it to the people of Israel. Verse 23, And the Lord commissioned Joshua the son of Nun and said, Be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to give them. I will be with you and as I said continually that uh, that Joshua as being commissioned as a leader is so important for him to be strong and courageous right and so as we said earlier they, that Moses could not enter into uh, Canaan because he broke the law he broke the law and so 
So only Joshua, right? Only Yeshua. Joshua can lead us into the Canaan. It's not Moses. Only Joshua, only Jesus can lead us into the promised land. So wherever it is, Jesus is the one who's leading us into that Sabbath rest. Amen. And so we're almost finished. Now we just got to look at verse 24 to 30. When Moses had finished writing the words of this law in a book to the very end, uh, Moses commanded the Levites who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, take the book of the law and put it up by the side of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be therefore witness against you. And so what is this Ark? The Ark is the is, is what's inside the Temple of Temples. And what's inside the Ark of the Covenant is the tablets of stone. And then also the staff of Aaron that has budded. And then also it has a, a bit of manna, right? And so all of these things, all of these things represent what represents the word of God, the word of God. And so, so when God created man, man, there, there are many reasons why God says that he was created in their divinity. But but most important thing is, is that in you is the word of God. And so the fact that the word of God is inside of you is is that is the fulfillment of, of being made in his image. And so that's what's most important is receiving the word and letting that word uh, grow inside of you. It's not about going to um, um, seminary school, but, but, but letting the word. that the word is there. And so verse 27, uh, For I know how rebellious and stubborn you are. Behold, even today, while I am yet alive with you, you have been rebellious against the Lord. How much more after my death? And so, uh, oh, wow, he's already on verse 30. Okay, assemble to me. All blah, 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 blah. Okay, and then verse 30, Then Moses spoke the words of this song until they were finished in the ears of all the assembly of Israel. And so, And so now Moses is going to proclaim in song uh, what it means for, about Israel's corruption. And so verse 1 through 4, he's proclaiming God and, and, and praising his name. And so give ear, O heavens, and I will speak and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. And so all the words spoken to Israel it's not just to Israel, but to the universe. And so I always say that the church has the authority to rule over the universe. And why we can say that is because everything that's proclaimed in the church is not spoken to just people, but it's spoken to universe. It's spoken to space and time. It's spoken to everything that exists in this material world. <coughs> And so we must not lose sight of this scale when we when we speak. Amen. And that word uh, is spoken to earth and heaven because earth and heaven hears it. They are witness to those words. Amen. And so verse 2. May my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, like gentle rain upon the tender grass and like showers upon the herb. And so the early and later rains and like the mist and the dew of the morning right in Palestine. Right, the morning dew is giving life, 
uh, it provides water of life to, to the wilderness. And so without the early rains, the latter rains, without the dew of the morning, there is no life in those wilderness. And so again, this life is being what's emphasized here. And so many many of you have heard this word for several years. And so... So most of you are starting to feel the, the truth behind these words, that the word of God is life. And so Israel, as they're going to Canaan, what God wanted from Israel is for them to understand that man does not live by bread alone, but by the word that comes from the mouth of God, right? Because that is who our God is. He is the provider of our life. He gives us our life. And... And the fact that they're looking to bread and, and, and prosperity and those kinds of things is is showing their distrust in that, right? As it says in Amos that, that, that we are not f suffering because of a famine of food, a famine of water, but because of the famine of the Word of God. And so ultimately, that's what's important. Why in Yerbang Church can we continue to proclaim riches? Why? What's the reason? Because the Word of God is flowing richly here. In this community, the Word of God is there. And because the Word of God is there, there is no famine here. Amen? So if the church has the Word of God, that's the faith that they have, that, that God's Word brings life. Amen? And so that's why our community continually proclaims that. And... Yet, if you do not receive this word in our community, even if you are part of this community, this, this promise is not applies to you. And so, those who believe that the word is faith, they will not let the famine of the world and, and the hardships of the world to define them. It cannot define them because they're constantly letting the riches of the word flow. Amen. And so, let's see that word even today. Let's see those riches today. Amen. The word of God is life. Hallelujah. Verse 3. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. And so, again. He's proclaiming the name of God at this time. Proclaiming, kara, right? Which means to shout out, to proclaim. And so he proclaims the name of the Lord. And then what does he say? That ascribe greatness to our God. And so he proclaims the word of God. And the most important thing when he proclaims the name of God is that when this, that, that, that why is this song important? Why is this word important? The first pillar to that is what is that ascribe greatness to our God? Greatness. And there are many uh, elements to the Word of God, but amongst one of those, the most what God, what Moses is choosing to bring first is greatness. And so, who is Israel? Israel, Shema Israel, those who hear the Word of God. And so, who will survive in Yerbang Church? Is the one who receives the Word of God according to His scale, according to His purpose. Amen. This is the order of things. There are many of you who delude themselves into thinking that they're receiving the word properly, but but when you receive the word of God properly, that's what they'll hear, right? But you should not hear e when I say ah. You should not hear o when I say u, right? You should hear accurately. Those who hear accurately, they will live. They will prosper and thrive. Amen. And then so it says here that the word of God has greatness. Ascribe greatness. Why is the word of God important? Because this is greatness. What is this? What is this greatness? The root of this word greatness comes from great. <laughs> uh, it's because I'm translating the Korean. And so so in English, right? Great. Great. Great is our God. Why do you need to pray? As we look at Deuteronomy 4, 
because we are a great nation that, that cries to God and God is close to us, right? As it says in Deuteronomy 4, what great nation is there that when they cry out to God that their God is so near to them as, as we have? Excuse me. So why do we need to receive the word in faith? Because, because what great nation is there like you that has received such great laws like this? And so, because, because the word of God moves the entire universe and that scale is entering inside of you. And so we need to receive that word and pray. And so if you give your life, and so even with this, just this reason alone, we should give our lives to prayer, amen? And so, Greatness, ascribe greatness to God. Another, another, um, um, another context of this greatness is the scale of God, right? Great, great. How big it is. How the greatness of God. How can we describe God, right? People cannot understand, right? Because you cannot even understand the. Um, you cannot picture the size of 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 500 million light years right i mean we can understand it and, and also when it comes to size to people it's always relative right in taiwan uh we're going somewhere and and they say it's so far away and it takes it takes an hour to get there but in korea or in america they say it's close and it takes three hours to get there but then in china in China, they say it's close, and how long does it take? We have to take a train for five days. <laughs> and they say it's close. And so look, even scale in itself is, is relative to people, but this scale that's spoken here is talking about it from the perspective of God, right? This nation, this nation that receives the greatness of God, experiences the greatness of God. And so this greatness is not, oh, bigger is better. No, that's not what it's talking about. But with the method of our, of our lives is all about from the scale of God. And so if we cannot see the dimension of God, we cannot help but uh, be uh, shackled to the scale of this earth. And so if you are shackled to this earth, then, oh wow, million dollars, oh a thousand dollars, a hundred thousand, or a hundred million dollars, right? We, we think that that, 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 that that is great things. It's because you're under the scale of Babylon. But when you are under the scale of God, then it's not about that number itself, but rather that you, are, you understand that you are not under the reign of this earth, that I am under the reign of God, and because I am under the reign of the kingdom of God, I have the scale and the dimension of God coming upon me. It's not about the goodness of, of this world, the best things of this world. No, that's not my, that's not my uh, definition. And so if dimension is different, you will see it in the eternally sense, in this, in this other sense of God love if you do not know the scale of god then then you is simply is simply all the love that you have between your wife and you you cannot tell the difference if you do not know the scale of god if you do not know the greatness of god then you cannot see that scale because the dimension is different and when they say power you don't know what that power means and that's why power is not being manifest in you holiness wisdom all of these things we need to all the things that god gives it is set apart from the scale of Babylon. And so that's why the best word to describe the greatness of God is what? Holy, holy, holy. 
Because God, uh, the reason why we can receive that scale is because God has given it to us. Be therefore, be holy, for I am holy. And so, remember that the church is not building people to be uh, the best man that they can be. No, you need to die to your manhood. You need to live in a different scale, in a new scale. What does it say in 1 Corinthians 13? Uh, that you are being moved from the, uh, the, the realm of darkness to the realm of light. You are being completely moved from a different things. It's not simply just just a little better human no you are moving from glory to glory moving into the realm of eternity and so it's because you keep living by the scale of Babylon that's why you keep worried about what you will eat what you drink what you wear whether you will die whether you will not die what you will have what you don't have what you achieve or you don't achieve it's because you're living under that scale and that's why you're so lose you're so afraid to lose you're so afraid to be to be taken advantage of it's because your dimension is wrong. And so this greatness, this greatness is not, uh, remember, I'm not talking that bigger is better. No, it's talking about from the perspective of God, the dimension of God. Why do you keep living by this pitiful faith? It's because you do not see this dimension, because you cannot enter into this dimension. Look at, look at the Acts of the Apostles. When the church lives by faith, the world cannot help but be amazed. Why? Because you are living in a different dimension. Who cannot be amazed if, if they see that? Right? Look, think about our church. Think about our church, how tiny our church is, and how much money we've used all over the world. And this is just a taste. It's a small little taste of what God is giving us. You cannot even imagine it. Why? Because it's a different dimension. And so Moses, when Moses says, ascribe greatness to our God, this is talking about the scale of God. With that scale of God, he's proclaiming. And so what does that mean? That this word is life. And when you live by this word, you will have life. Why does it say that? Why does he say that if you just have the word of God, you will live? Because when you receive the word of God and you truly receive that word, that word brings you into the dimension of God. It brings you to the scale of God. And so you are no longer bound to the realm of what I will eat, what I will drink, what I will wear. No, you live in the scale of God. And so this greatness, this element of greatness is so important when it comes to this. It's talking about a difference in dimension. And so... When can you feel that? It's in your prayer. When can you experience this? It's in your prophecy. Now, of course, also in your daily life, you should receive this scale because God is in you and you are in God. But ultimately, look, as you continually yearn and thirst for God and live under the, under the reign of God, then this dimension is open to you in your prayer. And so ultimately, what, how are you going to live? You're going to live kind of like a guru, right? Like, like a monk, right? And so when I was in China... Uh, or no, 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 sorry, not China. Uh, in South America, as we're interceding for the, for the, uh, for as we're interceding, right? I, I I was praying and I was like, oh, the the woman with the blonde hair in the fifth row in that seat, I could see it in the spirit, and 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 they sent a picture showing us who I was talking about. I didn't look at her before. I didn't plan this before, but 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 in the spirit, in the spirit, we can see all of these things because the dimension. 
You're right. Right. When this physical realm is 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 tied to the laws of physics, right? So, for example, the fastest thing that we know is is the speed of light. But but what about when we live in the spirit? We faster than the spirit speed of light because we do not need to move to according to that speed of light. We just fold, right? It uh, space and time folds. And so the season is coming upon us where we will we will live by this by this kind of principle, by this dimension at <sighs> So with this great God, this greatness, this greatness, look at this amazing scale. And so don't just be falsely spiritual, but have right relationship with God. And if you have this right relationship with God, this dimension will open up to you. And the, the, the pinnacle of that, of that relationship is what Apostle John described in John 15. Right? I abide in you and you abide in me. So Babylon, how, how, how insignificant is Babylon? The worries of Babylon in light of this. Amen. So verse 4. And finally, they describes the character of God, the rock, that he alone remains unshaken. Amen. So we need to get to verse 14, okay? We need to get to at least verse 14. So the rock, he alone is the rock, that he alone is unshaken, amen? And so we need to remain in him. Why is the world shaken? Why do people shake? It's because you are not in him. We need to remain in him because he alone is the rock. He alone is my fortress. He alone is my pillar, amen? And so David says that the righteous will not be shaken. And because the righteous is in God, and when they are in God, God is not shaken. It doesn't matter if thousands or tens of thousands come against me that I am in this peace. Amen? And so, what else? His work is perfect. So his work is perfect. As I always say, if it's second best or just adequate, that's not God's work then. Because God is perfect. And he always gives perfect. God's will for you is perfection, not adequate, not good enough. Ephesians 4, or 1 4, as God predestined you to be holy and blameless, this is so obvious from two perspectives. First, God himself is perfect, and second, God is love. And so, because he is love, he's not just going to give you adequate, he's going to give you the best, right? He's not going to give you uh, expired sausage and say, oh, this is your meal for tonight. No. (laughs) 
because of these two things of God himself, he always gives you perfection, right? He is, he is perfect, and second, he is love. I went to Ant, and wow, in their refrigerator, they have the most expensive uh, coffee all stored up in, in, their, in their refrigerator for, for their workers to use every day. It's because they drink that every day that they're so arrogant. <laughs> and, so, and so Zedek and Mishpat. And God is Zedek and Mishpat. And they cannot be separate. So what is Mishpat? That, that it is determined. That God's glory, His victory is already determined. And so our failure, our despair comes from when we choose to go where we want. If it's God's will, it's Mishpat. It's already determined. And so... Even though it's a place I've never gone before, even though it's a place that I've never experienced before, it doesn't matter. If he's leading me, then he, even if it's in the midst of fire, he will lead me to glory. Hallelujah. And so let's follow him. Amen. What else does it say? For all his ways are just as a God of faithfulness, right? He is, he is true true and and there is no uh false in him and so the most important thing to faith the highest faith is uh is a doubtless faith is is pure faith is is faultless faith and so we need to have this uh blameless faith what does it mean that that he is uh, and, and without iniquity it means he has no lies he has no dirt no filth and God cannot have fellowship with filth and that's the reason why he needs to cover us with righteousness amen and then so what else uh, and just and upright is he right that he is not crooked but the world everything to the world is crooked because they are crooked and so they cannot see anything to be upright And so, because the world is crooked, they see everything as crooked. But it's only God who is upright. And so only those who have right relationship with God can see right things, can see rightly. And so, these amazing characteristics are amongst our midst. And so, of course, we should live by Him. Amen. And so, now verse 5 to 14. And so, this amazing God, upright is God. This God who gives us life, the God who is life that he has these beings and yet Israel failed to live by him it's foolishness and so foolishness and senseless is, is similar in the root but this foolishness is this, is this hardening that, that keeps them from receiving God and so God is wisdom but they're unable to avail God's wisdom Though God opens the way to victory, they're unable to go that way. And so, even though nine out of ten doors are open, unbelief will choose that closed door. And then, uh, no, no, that's not what faith is. Faith is, is that there's only one door open, but you choose that one door. That is faith.
And so do not uh, associate with people who live by their own thoughts because that's just going to lead to doom. And so you need to... Do you yearn for this? I'm sorry, he moved a little bit way too fast. And so uh, they have dealt corruptly with him. Verse 5. And so God does good to us, right? But if they are doing corruptly, means that they are not towards God. They are no longer his children. So this is the same words. Okay, if I am a child of God, then I would have the dignity that, that, that is available to all the children of God. But if I live by the flesh, then all of that fails. And so I cannot help but live to, to sin. And so as I said throughout the New Testament, old self, new self. It's about remaining in the new self. It's, that's, where, that's what will determine victory. It's not about what you can do, what you cannot do. It's not about your experience. It's not about your, your, your knowledge. No, it's about whether you choose to be in the new self or the old self. Your experience that lets you victory was only applies to that time. It doesn't transcend space and time. The only thing that can uh, continue to guarantee victory is you being in the new self. It's not your thoughts. It's not your methods. It's not your experiences that guarantee victory. And so they are no longer his children. Why? Because they are blemished. They are crooked. So again, I said, what, what is crooked? Crooked is the opposite of what God is, who is upright. What about blemish? As we said, talked about earlier, blemish. If you listen to this from the perspective of, of religion, you would have a really harsh time. How can man be perfect? How can man not have blemish? God is not telling you to strive for perfection. No, that's not what God is saying. God is saying is received perfect God. It's about your identity. It's about your being. And yet so many of us still receive these words in legalism and so have a hardship and, and, and struggle because they're like, oh, this is impossible. What are you telling me to do? I'm not telling you to be perfect. I'm not telling you to do anything. Have fellowship with him who is perfect. But the, this is the reason why you're constantly deceived, so deluded, because you keep trying to understand this from the perspective of religion, faith. is knowing who God is, this perfect God. And so because we are looking to Him, it's not, it's not, oh God, you are perfect and so come to me. No, it's me looking to Him, right? This is what it means to be self-centered, that you expect God to stoop to your level. That's religion. You keep trying to drag God to earth. In your in your standards, in your understanding, keep bringing God there. That's the spirit of religion. God knows that you are human, knows that you are flesh, and has pity on you and has mercy on you. But if, if that was the end of the story there, then ultimately all God could do for you is move you from hell to heaven and that would be the best, right? Right, just change this hellish earth to heaven. If that's the case, then God doesn't need to send his only begotten son, right? All he has to do is with the word, change this earth to heaven. And so look at the Bible. 
the Bible is not the key, is not a goal, setting the goal for you to go from hell to heaven. No. That you are being made into a child of God that can be under the reign of holiness and live in that eternity here on earth. So look at what the Bible is saying to you clearly. It's talking it's not just simply just trying to ease your life bring make your life comfortable if you keep thinking about it in this religious sense that's going to lead you to death no god is speaking of glory speaking of holiness he is speaking about your identity that you are you are destined to be more and more like him that is god's will for you he's this is about glory not about going to heaven but you keep saying, oh God, come to me, come to me, come here and, and make it so that I can just pray for five minutes and that'll be okay. That'll be, that's more than enough, right? You keep trying to drag God down. Spiritually, there are many of you like that. Keep dragging God down. Keep trying to drag down God. And what is, is that? what does that do to Israel? It makes them find Baal. That God, just enjoy this sacrifice. Right, I, I, I will butcher this sheep well, and don't ask me to be holy. No, just, 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 just enjoy this lamb, this choice meat, and 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 leave me alone. Right, just, just enjoy your food. That's Baal. God is not looking for a sacrifice. No, He's looking for the worshiper, the holy and blameless worshiper. And so if you live by grace, this is easy. Ah, oh, I don't have to do anything. Ah, oh, he is, he, that, this is who he is. All I have to do is receive him. All I have to do is live with him. Right? How comfortable is that? And so just if you meet with him and have fellowship with him, it's comfortable. It's easy. And many people in our church are starting to realize this. And this needs to approach you, come to you. that many people are starting to understand what this glory is about that finally they're starting to see that there's nothing happy in the world there, there's nothing fun in the world but I know many of you still like to watch your soccer games like to watch your movies right you like to enjoy what you eat right I, I know that that, that, that that to many of you these things are fun to you right and what's fun to you Right, be honest. <laughs> right, there's nothing fun in this world. If you see glory, there's no, there is, there is. So verse six. And, oh, and they are crooked and twisted generation. Twisted generation because they're crooked, they are twisted. They cannot see uprightness. They cannot see righteousness. And so remember, this isn't about your efforts. It's about relationship with God. Amen? And so verse 6, Do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? And so see, look, children of God, Israel, this name itself is, is talking, what does it mean to be a child of God? It means to be wise, right? That name itself means wise. 
that when we are under under God's reign, we automatically we are wise, right? So again, this is about your identity, not about、uh, theory. And so, if you cannot believe, then you cannot receive. But when you believe, then automatically, instantaneously, you respond to this. That the moment you receive in faith, instantaneously, you receive this. Instantaneously, that wisdom comes upon you. But but when you don't believe, instantly you are in darkness. But when you believe, instantly you are in light. That's the greatness of the Word of God. Amen. It's not about your effort. It's not about your your struggle. It's not about your 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 effort. No, it's about your. It's about who you are. That this is the God that I am. This is the God that I am. Will you have fellowship with me? Then it's instantaneous. How amazing! So easy, and yet, why do you keep choosing the world? And so, you foolish and senseless people. So this foolishness and senselessness isn't a result of their lack of intelligence, but rather it's the lack of their relationship with God. This must be clear, amen. And so is he not he your father who created you? Oh wait, no. Do you thus repay the Lord? So this isn't how you should repay, right? Because God gave us glory. He gave us everything. He gave us everything, even His holy name. That in that holy name there's glory, and yet they serve the world. They serve Baal. Getting drunk off the world, and so if you truly know the grace that you have received in salvation, then you could not do this. You could not repay the Lord thus. There seems to be much darkness coming upon this congregation. Are you sleepy? Should I get you a cup of coffee? Okay. Are you all sleepy? It is not he, your father, and so Israel should not live this way. They cannot live this way. Why? Because he's their father. What does it mean that he's their father? That you cannot be different from me. And what else? Who created you? And this word "created" is begot. He he gave birth, right? And that's the relationship we have with God. Is this relationship of life? Who made you? And again, this word "made you" isn't about creation, but it's about made in His image. That you are made in His image. You are chelim, a piece of God. That you have been torn off from God and a step. So everything that He has, He can't help but give you everything because He did not create you. He did not create you, but. But he begot you in his form and established you, and what is this? Is talking about your inheritance, your inheritance as child of God. And so Israel, child of God, if you believe that this who you are and you believe in who He is and what He has given you, what privilege He has given you, then you would not dare to live by the world. You would not dare and understand that living by these things is unbelief. You're unable to believe in the promise that God has given you. You're unable to believe in this nobility, this greatness that God has given you. If you truly believed, you would not be able to live this way. It's because you do not believe. 
Okay, do you believe? If you believe, you wouldn't live that way. What else does he say? Verse 7. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. So continually uh, referring back to the Exodus. Why? Because this Exodus talks about their identity. Ask your fathers and he will show you. Your elders and they will tell you. And so continually to the next generation teaching them what? Teaching them how to worship God, to fear the Lord. That is because their fathers did not teach properly. That's why that they're unable to do this. And so fathers, you are the ones who teach your children faith. It's not pastors. Pastors are not the one who teaches your children faith. You are the ones who teach your children faith. And so the reason why the generations wither and fade is because the fathers are wither and fade. If the father is bound, the son will be bound. If the father is foolish, the son will be foolish. If the father is upon, the, the son will be upon, right? That's the principle of things. That's the way of things. And so fathers, you need to be alert. Fathers, wake up. Okay, don't, oh, you don't want your children to live in that way, right? Verse 8. Verse 8. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when He divided mankind, He fixed the borders of the people according to the numbers of the sons of God. And so amongst all the nations, God is saying that He determines the history of this world based on Israel. It may seem like the world is determining their own destiny, but it's all based on Israel. And where is the promise that bases this? It's in Genesis 20, right? As, as God promises that Israel will be the first amongst many nations. So Israel is the center of the world. And look, this we cannot do anything about it. We cannot deny that Israel is the center of the world. And we cannot deny that the church is the center of, of the world. And that's why uh, the devil works so hard to corrupt Israel and to corrupt the church. Because if the church is corrupted, uh, the world can't help but be corrupted. If the world is corrupt but the church is true, then God is not going to judge the world. But why does the end of the world happen then? Why does the apocalypse happen? It's not because God is judging the world, but because the time is up for for God's patience. Or not patience, that's not what he said. Um, uh, I, I didn't hear everything that he said, but, but, anyways, 
important thing is is that uh, that it is time that the time is up, and so even now the reason why Israel survives is because of Holy Church and Holy Israel uh, remnants surviving, and so. Uh, God has determined for Israel to be the center of the world, and so, uh, and so. Anyways, uh, verse eight. If you look at Genesis forty-seven, as Jacob was blessing his sons, he, how many of those children, or how many of the childrens, are gathered to Jacob? It's seventy, right? And so. That's where this number comes from. I, um, there's no number in English, but in, in, in Korean, I guess, they, they have the word number 70. And so, verse 9, But the Lord's portion is His people. And so this portion, right, God's possession, that Israel is God's property. That means that God is the guarantor. He, he is responsible. Right, and so and so Israel is God's property, God is responsible, and so Israel all they have to do is look to God, that the only person they need to be acknowledged by is God, that all they have to do is fix their eyes to God, they do not need to appeal to the world, try to persuade the world. Why? Because God is the one who is responsible for me. Right? And so, it's up to you. Are you going to continually appeal to the world or appeal to God? It's about God's acknowledgement, not the world's acknowledgement. And so, that's why we call Him Lord. Right? What does Lord mean? Lord means He is our Master. And He is our Lord. And if He is our Lord, then why do you keep selling yourself and, and letting other things lord over you? God alone is our Lord. Amen? He alone has lordship over our lives. Amen? And then what else? Jacob, his allotted heritage. And this allotted heritage... Just as Israel was established as the center of the world, because Jacob is his allotted heritage, uh, sorry, um, this will determine uh, the, um, the, 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 the portion to the world. So when Israel is holy, the world is, is in peace. When the church is filled with glory, the world is filled with glory. Why? Because we are His allotted heritage. The world will never know and will never acknowledge. But, it, but this is ultimately the principle of things. God has determined this. And so, so even when you go out into the world, do not forget that you are the center of the world. And it doesn't matter what kind of person is around you, no matter what who they may be, you are the center of the world. That God moves through you. For example, Ent. Let's say that you are the only one who is a believer in your company. Then through you, God determines the blessing in your company. 
And so everywhere you go, the children of God is the extension of God's reign. And so there's no need for arrogance because it's God's grace. And like Paul, that when he goes to Caesarea Philippi, from Caesarea Philippi, where does he go? He goes to Rome, right? Right, right from Caesarea. He goes to Rome. And so it's not just, it's not the man Paul riding on the boat, but rather it, the man Paul in that boat uh, was, the, the, on his shoulders was the fate of Europe. And so I, I take this to heart. When I go to Costa Rica, what, what I have is, is, the, is the, the fate of Costa Rica on me. That's what that's, and so we're almost finished. Verse 10. He found him in a desert land, and in the howling waste of the wilderness, he encircled him. He cared for him. So again, this is talking about that relationship. That, that in that wilderness, that desert land, he encircled him. He, he, he embraced him and protected him. And so... Remember, what is the wilderness, the wilderness, the desert land? What is that? That is the place where we rely upon God alone. So where do we need to go to meet with God? It's in the wilderness, right? Because in the wilderness, without God, we cannot live. But how much does he care for him? That he kept him as the apple of his eye. And so how much does he encircle him and protect him? He kept him as the apple of his eye. Do you believe? And yet, then why do you worry so much? You are the apple of his eye. Let's say that he protected him as just a as just a piece of property. No, but rather he responds so quickly why? Because what's the most um, reflexive part of the human body is your eyes. And so when he compares you to the apple of his eye, that's talking about how sensitive God is, how quickly he responds to you, how reactive he is to you. And so the relationship that Israel has to God is this kind of delicacy, this kind of sensitivity. So God is so sensitive to Israel. It may seem as if you're just living however you want, but, but God is, is watching every move. And so, let's say that a piece of dust come into your eye right now, right? Then your eye would be uncomfortable, right? And you're not going to just leave that dust alone, right? Right? You're going to you're going to get rid of that dust, right? Whether you take a shovel to your eye or not, right? Either way, something, something, right? You're going to do something about it. Why? Because your eyes are sensitive. And so even that little speck of dust is cannot bear it. And so when God calls you the apple of his eye, that me, that's talking about how sensitive God is to Israel. In your hardship, every cry, every tear, every despair, every thing that you do, God doesn't just... Uh, tolerate it and God doesn't just leave it alone he doesn't just leave you to your devices that when you are not holy God suffers God God agonizes 
that in my circumstances, he is always pleased with you and, and, and are pleased to react to you, pleased to respond to you sensitively. And so when it says that he kept him as the apple of his eye, this is very significant. And so why are you unable to feel God is because you close yourself off, close yourself off to the fact that this is how sensitive God is to you. And so this, do not think of this from like a super spiritual perspective. No, this is just so ordinary. So verse 11, like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinions. So how did he raise Israel in the wilderness? It's like an eagle that's preparing her chicks, her clutch to, to fly. Okay. Tungji. And so when an eagle makes a nest, they usually make it out of branches that are very thorny. Why? Because it keeps scratching uh, the wings of the chick and it's giving it uh, it keeps uh, giving it scars, right? For example, when you work out, when you, when you are building your body, when you're a bodybuilder, right, and you're building muscles, what are you doing? You are tearing your muscles and 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 as your muscles tear is building up stronger and of course Deacon Park when he goes to the gym every day and yet the only part of his body that gets harder and harder is his stomach And so now as the, as the chick starts to flap its wings, its wings get scratched on the nest. And then, and then when, it's, when the chick is ready, uh, the, the eagle drops the chick out of the nest and so tries to flap its wings and then, and then will pick it up if it can't fly. And so uh, when you look at tigers, do you know how tigers, it's about survival of the fittest, right? And so, their way of caretaking is to choose the best, right? And so that's, so whether it's an eagle or a tiger, it's all about choosing the best, right? That's, that's wilderness. And so, as we said earlier, People should not be um, touched by man. Because you are a child of the king, it's not men who should form you. Why do you think you can go out into the world and, and even just make a team and, and do ministry? It's not because I made you or shaped you or trained you, but because the Holy Spirit has trained you. This spiritual wilderness or not wilderness, sorry, spiritual wildness. If you keep trying to make like this secure kind of education, right, then, then nothing is happened, right? God raises you up like an eagle, like a tiger.
Okay, that like an eagle, you should. Uh, <laughs> uh, like and so when you're in your prayer, right? You should be like an eagle because you're being raised like an eagle, and so you should cry out like, 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 yeah. <laughs> Instead of, but it's because you're always just going like a chick, like pew 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 pew. That's why, that's why you're not growing. But uh, anyways, um, one moment. Verse twelve. The Lord alone guided him. What does it mean that the Lord alone guided him? Does it mean that oh you just. Oh, God uh, lost his wife and so just him alone. Is that what it's talking about? No. This alone is that God alone can raise them. That God alone can care for them. That God alone, that without God, should, there should be nothing. It's God alone. That the Lord alone can touch you. The Lord alone can shape you. The Lord alone can establish you. And so we can talk about the nobility of a pastor for many ways, but but pastors are the mediators of this, of this, right? That 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 of of uh, of that God alone can touch. So the Lord alone guided him. No foreign God was with him. Israel, there was only God. That's the way to, for Israel to survive, that God alone, only God. How dare the world? How dare any other demons? Who dares? Amen. It's God alone, God alone. Who dares to, 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 to interpose? So verse 13, he made him ride on the high places of the land, This is talking about Zion, right, Jerusalem. And he ate the produce of the field, and he suckled him with honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock, that all of God's riches was given to them. And so as I said earlier, God is not trying to lead you to famine. God is not trying to lead you to suffering. No, he wants to give you the best. He's always leading you to the best. So as long as we live by God, the famine of Babylon cannot uh, interfere, cannot intervene. Oh. If you meet with this great God, no matter what the Babylon can do, uh, if that causes you to fall, that means you have not met with God, I'm sorry to say. If you truly met with God and been saved by God, then these things of Babylon cannot cause you to falter. Because uh, the things of this world do not compare. I've never, after meeting with God, looked at the things of this world and with awe and wonder. When I went to Iguazu, I, was, I, I wasn't like, wow, look at this amazing waterfall. No, I, I know what greatness looks like, and I've seen something more great. Right? If, you look at, if you look at Iguazu Falls, and then you go to a small little stream, are you going to be like, oh my God, look at this amazing waterfall? No. And 
It's the same thing. I've seen the scale, of, the great scale of God, and so what can in this world uh, amaze? Is, is that arrogance? If so, then I'm arrogant. Okay, verse 14. Curds from the herd and milk from the flock with flat of fat of lambs, uh, rams of Bashan and goats with the finest of the wheat, and you drank foaming wine made from the blood of the grape. And so, why betray this kind of God? Why turn your back on this kind of God? So today we want to just get to verse 14, but we'll see later that this is the no normal relationship with God. And there are many reasons why we cannot live with the world, but when God's Spirit enters into me, and it, uh, normally, or what, uh, instinctively, you would know what God wants and what pleases God and what doesn't please God. You would know this instinctively if you met with God properly because the Holy Spirit is inside of you. You know, when, as I raised six children, automatically they know what pleases me or not. Uh, or no, at first they know what I like and then later they come to know what displeases me, right? It's the same thing with the, with, with the Holy Spirit. And as you continually expand on that, so you first you realize you realize what recognize or what pleases God and then what displeases God and then it goes and goes to worship fear right oh, Okay verse 6 in verse 6, it says, You foolish and senseless people. Another word for foolish and senseless is that your spirit has closed. Because your spirit has closed, you can't. You are without sense. And so as I said earlier, if you have received the Holy Spirit inside of you, then His presence, His anointing, you'd feel it normally. That, ah, He's anointing this place. Ah, that this is what He wants. These kinds of things just become instinctual to you. Because you do not live by the Holy Spirit. That's why you're worried here, you're worried there. Whether God's presence is here or not, you where God's anointing is here, what God's purpose is, what God's will is, what is worshiping God, you cannot know. And so that's what this is talking about, foolish and senseless. It means that your spirit is closed. And so the day that the Holy Spirit indwelt with inside of you, uh, the spirit would not close, but your spirit closes because you keep living by your thoughts, your methods, and the world. And so, and so as I say, it's not because, oh, you're not sensitive. No, it has nothing to do with sensitive. If the Holy Spirit is inside of you, anointing, presence, uh, whether it's with God's will or not, worship, uh, reverence, this becomes instinctual. It's instinctual inside of you. And so, brothers, look at the danger. When I talk about this, many of you automatically close this off, right? You, you close it off by saying, that, oh, it's because I'm not sensitive. No, it's because you are not living by the Holy Spirit. If you live by the Holy Spirit, how can you not recognize that the anointing is upon you? And when we talk about being dull and, and, and not sensitive, right, there's no one more not sensitive than your Holy Spirit. And yet I am not, I am sensitive to the movement of the Holy Spirit. And yet I am sensitive to God speaking. And so please, brothers, do not allow your spirit to be closed off. God's presence, God's anointing, God's uh, reverence, right? This is instinctual. It should be natural to you. It's not about whether you are sensitive or not. That's not the case. 
Your spirits needs to open up, brothers. Many times when I lay my hands upon you, there, it feels like I'm just touching a rock. There are some of you like this. You're so closed, you're unable to receive the anointing, unable to receive the presence. It's because, and, and this, is, this is a problem. Amen? And so let's, let's end here, brothers. I kept my promise. I ended 17 minutes before, early. Okay, next week. Next week will be the last service we have in this in this building, and then uh, we'll and then the week after we will have our commencement worship with chapter thirty-three. That I am, you are the apple of my eye. That I reign over you. Uh, I encircle him and care for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Do you believe? Do you believe? I believe. That I am the apple of God's eye. That he, that like an eagle that stirs up his nest. Right? God is raising you up like an eagle, constantly giving you this wildness. That's why the warfare is so severe. Wherever we go in the world, right? Constantly having to fight. Remember that you are kings, and as kings, um, don't uh, ignore this identity and try to run things according to programs or, or educational methods. Oh, it's about wildness, right? Uh, and this amazing God is your father. And so... The world, no matter what it may do, it, oh, sorry, I, I can't hear, uh, but uh, let's pray. So, Father, uh, help us to live as in, in the new self. I've been continuing saying throughout the sermons. To, it's not about what you can do or not do. It's about living in your identity, living in that new self that God is going to pour out his grace like a waterfall, that he can bless and curse. He leads us. And so if we're continually being bound, continually growing in spiritual obesity, allowing the worldliness to be activated inside of us, then the tragedy that waits for us is this curse. And so, Lord, in this glorification, in this uh, cusp of glorification, Father, may this glory church, may we rise up as a glorious church. And... And... Help us to stand before you in glory. That on that day when we stand before you, that every one of us would see that glory on that day. And that, and may we be blessed uh, truly to see glory for glory. And that in your perfection that I am the apple of your eye that like an eagle you raise me up and this amazing love this amazing nobility may it be activated at this time yes Lord 
throughout this week you have given us this amazing victory in Costa Rica and now with that victory continue to give us uh, grace to be vigilant and pray throughout this week truly help those who cannot even pray to truly start to pray and those who do pray that their spirit would continue to be activated even more that Lord during this time of glory that no one would suffer loss hallelujah at this time may this amazing word of Deuteronomy be embodied inside of us pour out your anointing that it would be embodied today hallelujah Lord
And so really, there are many of you who are experiencing everything that I proclaim. You're experiencing that it's easier to pray. You're experiencing that it's easy to go in, even though at times it felt like before in the past that you would be so oppressed, but now you're able to break through the heavens so easily. You need to experience it all, brothers, because it's time for us to pinpoint and target accurately what needs to be attacked. We cannot sit still and constantly uh, attacking, bringing the fight to the devil. Right in 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 Yoju, which is in uh, Manchuria, Vladivostok area, Tesunjili, they're polluting the land, polluting the spiritual atmosphere, and so. So, brothers, understand who God is. That's what we need to meditate upon day, daily. That, that, that who God is and then who I am to that God. As long as you meditate on these two things and receive these two things properly, if I just have this faith properly, then there's nothing that I need to demand from God. There's nothing I need to ask from God because, because He is my provider. He is this Almighty God. And, and so I'm going to lay my hands upon you, brothers. And so pray that this amazing anointing of, of the Sabbath rest of faith would come upon you. That, 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 that the riches of glory would come over you. That as we pray throughout this week, that you would see things in your life change. That, that, um, that uh, tremendous grace would pour out upon you. And so Lord, as we pray all together, may the spoils of this war, as I lay your hands and lay my hands upon your service, Father, may your spirit be activated, that it isn't the spirit of the world that is activated, but the spirit of God, that the spirit of God would be activated inside of us. The, there's nothing that can compare to the glory that God has given us. Amen. So just believe this. Just believe this, that this amazing thing that God has given us, that there's nothing in this world that can compare to that. And so the reason why we die, or, or sorry. So as long as we have this faith, then God will protect your nobility and He will treat you with that nobility. Amen. And so if you believe that promise and God doesn't fulfill, that, that's not, it's impossible. Let's believe in God's promise. Amen. So let's pray once again. That Lord, I want to pray that you call me the apple of your eye. And that I am so sensitive to you that there is no aspect of me that does not that does not give you bring your interest that God you will not ignore me or lay me by the white side because I am your the apple of your eye do you believe that Israel you are happy blessed are you so let's proclaim this blessingness. Let's proclaim this happiness that, ah, Israel, you are blessed. That's why Matthew says that, Makarios, blessed are you, blessed are you, because you are happy. That, 
Receive this great God. Receive it. Yes, Lord, I am the apple of your eye. That I am blessed. Lord, I am blessed and I proclaim my blessedness. I am blessed. I am his apple, the apple of his eye. In this month of October, Lord, you have promised us your riches. And so once again, we remember why. Because we are your apple, the apple of your eye. Because of the nobility you have given us. Because we have given you have given us your glory. Because we are the apple of your eye. Because we are blessed. Amen. Yes, Lord, we are blessed. May all this glory, all this dignity once again come upon us as we face this month. And once again reign and lead this country in this way. That, Lord, that we would not uh, betray and forsake this greatness to Babylon. That wherever we go, whoever we may meet, whatever we may be, that we would go in under the reign of your glory, the reign of your greatness. May amazing things happen in the month of October. That as the remnant all over the world gather to this month, may your amazing revelation, glory, and, uh, and, and Sabbath come upon us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That Lord, whoever they may be in this community, wherever they may be, that you would reign over them in this glory. That no one would suffer loss during this time of blessing. That your amazing grace, amazing uh, wonders continually pour out upon them. And throughout this week, the, the ministry that happened in Costa Rica, seal it in your glory. Hallelujah. And Lord, bless today's offering. I lift it up to you in this time of famine. Yet, Lord, we confess that famine has never affected us. And so, Lord, may those riches continually flow out through us to the nations that we would uphold our calling to enrich the nations. And so, Lord, be pleased with this offering and now, by the grace of God, who, or by the, uh, by the grace of God, who is the head of the earth, by the love of God, the grace of Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church, and through the holy love of the Father, and the indwelling, comforting, fulfilling work of the Holy Spirit, to those who receive that they are God's interest, that they are God's apple, that they are God's uh, sensitive to God, that Lord, up, uh, upon their children, upon their inheritance, upon their business, upon all that they have to do, upon Zoe ministry, upon the church, may this blessing rest now and forevermore.